let's just take a moment and remain in the presence of the Lord. God, you are good. And Lord, there is nothing that we face that is too much for you. It might be too much for us, but it is never too much for you. You can handle every single thing that our life places before us. Lord, what we must do is place ourselves in your hands. Dear God, please help us to understand that just as you reached out and pulled Peter out of the waves, you will do the same for us if we will just simply call out to you as he did. Lord, save us. Not just save us from our sins, Lord, but save us from ourselves. Save us from the circumstances that maybe we have had swamp us or maybe we put ourselves in the middle of. I don't know. Lord, it's easy as your sheep to wander off at times, but may we be renewed and refound and recentered today because of your Holy Spirit and your strength. Lord, I have no doubt there are people that are tuning in today that are facing things that seem to be too much for them. And Lord, they probably are right. It's too much for them. But it is never, ever, ever too much for you. May we place ourselves in your hands again today. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people together said, Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? All right. Throw the worship team in there too. Go ahead and give them a hand as well. You know, we were this close to letting me sing that song. Uh, and then I decided we'd let Karen do it. I, it's probably the better decision. I don't know, maybe 50-50 on it, right? Why are y'all laughing? <laughs> fantastic, fantastic singing and worship this morning, you guys. Appreciate it. And it is always a pleasure to see you here. If you're here today, thanks for being here in the house. If you are there at home, I hope that you are watching live. There's something about engaging with us live that just helps you to feel a little bit more connected. And that is really important because worship is not just simply hearing the message. It is about gathering to be into God's presence together. It is about gathering around the word with those of like faith. And so thank you if you are here today for making that effort to be here. And uh, I guess I need to say if you're a kid and you would like to go back to the back, we've got kids classes going on socially distanced. You can go ahead and go on back there. And thank you again for being here, Miss Kendall and all those taking care of things in the back. I'm going to start off in a little different way today. Let me just simply say, if we do truly believe the songs that we just sang, we believe that there is nothing that is too difficult for the Lord, but I am going to be preaching and teaching on something that might be kind of hard to hear and maybe difficult to see yourself implementing. And so in the process of this, I just want to make sure that I begin with this word for you. I am not here in any way to make you or me feel uncomfortable. If you don't know who I am or what I'm all about, you might not know this about me. I'm that one guy. I'm, I'm the one guy. I'm literally the one guy who does not have a Facebook page. I know the other 7.5 billion people have a Facebook page, but I don't have one. Um, but I cheat about that, though. I've got the church Facebook page. And I've also got my wife who's out there putting her feelers out, you know, on the Facebook page. And it's a kind of an ironic thing because some of you might actually be here right now tuning in because of the Facebook post that I sent out this morning. 
Because I, I get it, it's a little ironic, but I'm going to be talking a little bit about social media and how that can be something that maybe pulls us out of the presence of God. Uh, I'm also that guy that is carrying a cell phone here and uh, right there, I'm going to put it right down because it, I go everywhere with that thing, right? So do you, you've got one of those. And I'm going to talk today a little bit about how we can make sure that this is a tool and not something that masters us. There's a little bit of a different kind of twist on things. But I want to start off today with the, the words that were read just a minute ago by Eric as he read from Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to start off with my something to learn. I usually kind of intro things and then go straight into you know, some other things and then come back to the something to learn. I want to start with the something to learn today. And I want to make sure you don't miss something. Let's start with the something to learn. Eric read this. He read the last part of Luke chapter 15, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. If you are uh, reading out of the new NIV, you probably see that it's called the parable of the lost son. If you are old school like me, you've heard this called the parable of the prodigal son. And that's a word that we don't even use in our world that much, except for to attach it to the parable that Jesus told that Eric read. But in Luke chapter 15, if you've read Luke chapter 15 from start to finish, or you know maybe just go back and reread it later, yes, later, uh, Jesus used three parables in a row. First, he began with the parable of the lost coin. And then he talked about the parable of the lost sheep. And then thirdly, he spoke about the parable of the lost son or prodigal son. That's the most famous one out of this group. But I want to just draw your attention to something. If you listen to that passage of scripture, there's a very, very clear place where it could have ended. Where the father says, put the, put the robe on him, kill the fatted calf because this son of mine was lost and now is found. And it would have been a perfect spot to end right there. But I do not want you to miss this. As Jesus is speaking to his enemies, his, his opponents, the Pharisees were gathered around and don't miss it. When he's speaking to them, he doesn't stop at that point. He goes a little further and he says, meanwhile, out there in the, in the you know, pastures nearby, this is the New Texas version, don't quote me on it, but meanwhile, the older brother comes and he hears music and dancing and all this stuff going on, sees people flooding in and out of the house, I'm imagining, and as he does, he gets mad because he's like, what is going on? I didn't get an invitation to my own parents' party, right? It's happening in my house and I didn't even know it was happening. But then Jesus goes on and says, so the older brother wouldn't go in because he's upset. The father comes out to him and says, what's wrong, son? And he says, I'm not going in there to celebrate that guy. Oh, he's his brother, by the way. But that guy that took all of your inheritance and went and squandered your money. I'm not going in there. And the father in this parable turns to him. And he says, son, don't you get it? Don't you understand that this was your brother and he was lost and he's found, he was dead and now he is alive again. And that's where Jesus ends the parable. But don't miss this. If Jesus was talking only about the love of God, he could have ended at the first time that he said, he's dead and now is you know, alive, he's lost and now is found. But instead, he did not stop there because the Pharisees were the older brother. They had become envious of those people who were the non-religious, and they were flooding in. 
And the older brother got envious and they were like, why should they be allowed into the presence of God? Why should they be forgiven by God? They don't do things the way that we do them. They, they don't do these things. And so they became incredibly envious. And so they lost their joy and they lost their connection with the father because of their envy. Do you guys know that movie with Brad Pitt way back in the day? It's kind of a scary, freaky movie called Seven. How many of you guys are old enough to remember the movie Seven, right? Do you know what that's about? It's just, I'm not going to tell you what's in the box, all right? I'm not going to tell you what's in the box. Some of y'all are laughing. <laughs> y'all have seen the movie. Don't watch the movie with your children. It is truly about the seven deadly sins, but it's not a Christian movie. Not a Christian movie. Be clear. But here are the seven deadly sins. And it's so funny. When we were talking about the seven deadly sins, he talks about these different ones. There was a guy named Warren Buffett who's a, an investor uh, for Berkshire Hathaway, one of the billionaires of the world. I think he's third or fourth richest man in the world. But he talked about the seven deadly sins. And it's so funny what he said. He's, he's not a Christian man necessarily. I, I mean, I'm not here to judge, but he wasn't coming from that perspective. But he said, out of the seven deadly sins, there's only one that doesn't have any kind of enjoyment attached to it. He said, you know, lust and gluttony and greed, there's some sort of enjoyment that's attached to these and others. But he said, what's up with envy? <laughs> he said, envy is the ugliest of all emotions because they're not any joy for you and it's nothing but downside for you and the person that you're envious of there's nothing to gain through the sin of envy and isn't it interesting when the lord spoke in the ten commandments he said thou shalt not covet and what is covetousness other than envy and what is envy other than one of the seven deadly sins that will get a hold of you and pull you down we talk about so many things, but we rarely really talk about envy. And today, as we kind of continue the New Year's real solutions that we're talking about, we're going to talk about envy and what this looks like. So very quickly, here's the warning that you might have not grasped. I talked a little bit about this last week in the area of the pace of your life. But let's take a look at this. It says if you're constantly dealing with the deep sighs, the frowns, the winces, and that's become the norm for you, or if you're distracted during important times and important conversations, if you're automatically negative to every single interruption that you have, or if the state of your car, your desk, your bedroom chair, your closet is absolutely a state of chaos, it may mean that there's not enough margin in your life. Or maybe you, you don't even enjoy uh, the things like good music or good friends or good food. You, you don't even enjoy those things. And it's just kind of happening, but you're not gaining any real soul nourishment from these things. But here is the truth. This is pace that will take you down these roads. There's no doubt your pace, my pace, gets so hectic and frantic that all of those things become the norm. We've created no margin for any space in our life. But the truth of the matter is that that's not just about the pace of our lives, but it's also about the person that we've put at the very center of our lives. Follow me. If you and I have put ourselves and what we desire and what we want on the throne when it comes to God, this results not just from the pace of our lives, but the wrong person 
being in the center of everything that we decide to do with our lives. If you guys understand me, can I hear an amen? Right? Amen? Okay, well, if y'all don't say amen loud enough for me to hear you through those masks, I may have to go back and start again. So let me hear you one more time. Amen? The truth is, oh, now you say amen. All right, I see you. This is the personhood and the pace, and these are warning signs. And I want to be very, very clear about something. I'm not here to make you feel negatively or bad. I know that social media is fine. It's something that can be positive. It can be used as something that's entertaining. It's a great way to stay connected. I'm not here to just constantly go on and on about negatives of social media. But, I mean, let's be clear about something very quickly. Let's be very clear. That's a highlight reel. That ain't real. Right? Can I get an amen on that? Right? I, I mean, that's a highlight reel. That's a highlight reel. Thank God for filters. As I gradually grow older, thank God for filters that make some of the things that are showing up on my face, like, go away. It's a beautiful thing, right? But then you meet me and you're like, uh, is that the same guy? I don't know about that, right? Because that's a highlight reel. A couple of years ago, I shared this with you guys before. But this is actually pretty hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious if your name is not Bow Wow, okay? Which probably applies to 93% of you. Your name is not Bow Wow, so it is okay. In 2017, something happened, and I want to share this with you real quickly. Let's check this out. Look at this picture. This is from Shad Moss, Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta. The press tour starts today. I'm on the move, right? This is his confirmed account. You guys see that? So a Twitter post goes out. This is him saying, I'm on the move. Well, here's the problem with the internet. It is <laughs> undefeated. I mean, everywhere you go, somebody knows something that you don't know about. Because somebody saw this picture and they're like, hmm, that's weird because that picture looks strangely familiar. So they did a little digging and check this out. Look at this. This is... The Fort Lauderdale VIP transportation. And if you look up there, there's a picture. And, and go back and go to the next slide if you don't mind. Check it out. This is the VIP. <laughs> Does that look familiar to y'all? Little Bow Wow posted a picture acting like he was jumping on a private jet walking out of his Mercedes. But it was actually just a picture he found on the internet and put it up there. And he's like, I'm going on my press tour. The internet is undefeated. Surely your sins will find you out. That's all I'm saying. Now go to this next slide. Check this out. A new Twitter post goes out. A guy on the airplane just behind Little Bow Wow says, so this guy Little Bow Wow is on my flight to New York. But on Instagram, he just posted a picture of his private jet caption, traveling to New York today. SMH, shaking my head. And one of you literally just now was shaking your head. Exactly, right? Oh, man. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for him. But check this out. This is what happened. And the internet continues. All right, let's go to this next slide. Bow Wow is getting dragged by the internet for lying about his lavish lifestyle. Clearly, little Bow Wow needs to act his wage, says Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Barnwell, which is hilarious, all right? 
But check out this next one. Check out this next slide right here. So this spawns something called the Bow Wow Challenge, where people start acting like they're richer than they are, that got stuff that they don't actually have. This person's like, man, I took my car out, got it for a wash, and you can see what actually was happening. He had a little bitty Porsche, but he showed the big picture looking like he took his car out for a car wash. I love it. Check out the next one. Check this one out. On vacation in Hawaii, you can see it looks like their knees, but actually it's just their fingers in front of a screen capture, right? It's great. The internet is undefeated. Did I already say that? Check out this next one. The Bow Wow Challenge is a hilarious reminder that everyone lies on social media. Everyone lies on social media. (laughs) Bow Wow pretends to be cooler than he is, just like the rest of us sad sacks. I love that. So it's so funny until you're Bow Wow, right? So I know at least 93 or 4% of you are not named Bow Wow, so it's okay. But here's the deal. Isn't it funny how we spend our lives in a place that we know is not real, and yet it feels real to us in the moments? I mean, can I just call it out? Like, not because I want you to feel bad, but can I just call it out? Like, we're raising kids in a world that we know isn't real. And they don't have necessarily the wisdom to discern all of their feelings and clarify what their thinking is. Because they don't know some of the stuff that you and I have lived long enough to know. And so they think that's what life is. Or even worse, they think that the whole point of social media is to convince people that you are someone or that you have something that you don't. And that you're not. And here's what's crazy. This is what is insane. When it comes to dealing with social media, when it comes to dealing with social media, the problem is is that there is such a thing as feeling envious. And here's what's hard to wrap our heads around. You feel envious because you see somebody's got a Porsche and you don't, right? Like, you know, supposedly has a Porsche. And so you feel that feeling of envy. But the crazy thing is, is that when you see somebody who doesn't actually have it as good as you do, your brain chemistry functions the same way as if it were a negative. I can't explain why, but they have done studies on the brain chemistry that if you spend tons of time on social media, you are so much more likely to be depressed. Not just because people have a better life than you and you're sad about it. Your brain can't tell the difference in the chemistry of even when you are in a better place than they are, your brain chemistry reacts in such a way as if you were still envious of them, even though they don't have it as good as you do. That's bizarre, and I can't figure out why that is, but I'm telling you, this is a problem. And if you don't think that the internet is a dangerous place, let me tell you, you can go online and just type it in, Google it, check it out, because we all live our lives online in a lot of ways. There's nothing wrong with that. We just have to be very careful with that. The truth of the matter is, is that The internet can be a pretty bad place. It can be a pretty scary place and all kinds of things going on out there. Like for example, or for instance, sometimes whenever people say that they disagree with you, they disagree with the thought that you have or whatever, in the comments you can see somebody type in there, kill yourself. 
And that doesn't matter to most of us, but to a handful of people it might. And it's a dangerous thing. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a person who says those words to the wrong person and then lives with the knowledge that that found the wrong person somehow. Now, I'm here to tell you that I'm not, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. But parents, the internet is a dangerous place. Please be careful for yourself, but most certainly be careful for your kids. It's a dangerous place out there. <laughs> part of the reason that I'm dealing with this and part of the reason I'm talking about this is we've been talking about how we get our lives back. How we get our lives back. And it's funny because there, there was something in the book, and he says this, the magnitude of envy incidents taking place on Facebook alone is astounding, providing evidence that social media is a breeding ground for every invidious feeling. My first thought when I heard that, I didn't know invidious was even a word, but it is, I guess. It's a breeding ground for places that you can find envious feelings. And so... It's an endless cycle, both up and down, posting pictures of our own to induce feelings of envy for someone else, all the while knowing that it's not really us. We begin to get this facade that we build up and we proclaim and continue to keep up, even though we know that it's not really us. And there is something that is going on in our world today. I want to just show you a picture about that. Um, I believe that that's slide number 17. Let's go to slide number 17. And this is a funny picture if you really look at this. Tim Wu, back in January 3rd, 2017, wrote an article that in the era of Instagram or Facebook or whatever, narcissism is the new norm. Check out this picture. Not a single person actually facing the person that's supposed to be the center of attention, every single person struggling to find a way to get themselves into the picture. You guys know who narcissist is, right? You can go back and look at it. But narcissism is considered rare. You can see the bottom right corner. But listen to this de definition of narcissism and see if that's on the rise or on the fall. It's, in the psychology of narcissism, it's selfishness. It's involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, a need for admiration, characterizing our personality types with excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. Wow, yeah, really a rare thing, right? And in the midst of it all, we as Christians have to make our way through this world with Jesus' words echoing when he says, if anyone would be my disciple, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, we've heard about the cross of Christ so many times that we've forgotten that the cross of Christ is basically like an electric chair or a lethal injection for us. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must pick up that syringe of lethal injection, die to self, and follow me. Self has no place. Self has died. Now let me say that again. Self has died when we follow Christ. And yet, is that really true in modern Christianity? I don't think so. I think there's still holdout places of self 
that we have not given over to God. And here is why I'm talking about this. I'm not here to crack on anybody and everybody to say, hey, social media is this. Listen, that's not it. But if you and I want to get our lives back, there are sometimes even hours that we spend in a place that we know is unhealthy for us to spend time, in a place where trolls live. (laughs) Everybody have heard, don't feed the trolls, right? I'm not talking about the troll movie. I'm talking about people who just are out there dying to get under your skin for whatever reason. They get off on you getting angry. The trolls. Don't feed the trolls. You've seen it in the comments section, but you also have dealt with a troll. And the worst thing, well, I won't even go to the worst thing, but just know that for most of us, there is a hold out in our lives And this is one of the ways that we see it. The one grace that I can give to you and extend to you that is found in chapter 9 is this grace right here. Surrendering the self-life. He talks in this chapter a ton at the very beginning about how many people who claim the name of Christ are just so up in arms about everything. We're offended because of that. We're frustrated at that group because of this. We're angry at them because of these things that they've done or said. We're boycotting that. We're canceling this. And it's all revolving around the things that we have deemed to be important. Seldom, if ever, do we say, what does Christ think? How would Christ act? Seldom, if ever, do we ask ourselves that question. And so in the midst of it all, if you really look deep, you may find that you and I have put self at the center and it is sucking the life out of our souls, but we never do the math and go, hmm, I wonder if I'd feel different if I gave these things away and let these things fall to the wayside. Interesting, John Eldridge, his book, I think you've seen the book that you know, we've had. We've put this up at different times. But I want us to go to the next slide and read this quote, and I want you to hear it. I want you to hear. He's quoting, but here's what this woman whose name is Dorothy Sayers. She wrote this back in the 40s, the 1940s. Yes, there were people writing things with instruments back then. Yes, it wasn't just chisels and, you know, stone tablets. Envy hates to see other men happy. It begins by asking with a plausibly, you know, Definitely an interesting question. Why should I not enjoy what others enjoy? But then envy demands, why should others enjoy what I cannot? Envy is the great leveler. If it cannot level things up, it will level them down. The words constantly in envy's mouth are my rights and my wrongs. If you want to go out on the internet today, you will see tons of people without even really looking about it. They're talking about them not getting their rights and how they have been wronged. And you can say that from every end of the political spectrum and every end from young to old, doesn't matter. It's about my rights and how I've been wronged. And you know what's crazy? The internet has figured out, just like slot machines. Did you know that slot machines are designed in this way? Slot machines are designed for you to get this close They've figured out that the brain chemistry that gives you a hit of endorphins 
is not because you won. It's because you almost won. That is what makes you push the button, pull the lever one more time. You were that close to winning. So you keep coming back and you keep feeding the machine and you keep feeding the machine. It gives you just enough to stay in, but it also reminds you over and over you were just that close. Trust me, the world has figured out how to make you and I get involved. And even they call them internet influencers. They want to influence you to feel the way they do, buy the products they buy, and they've monetized it. You gotta be very, very careful. And you gotta be very careful what your children are consuming as well. Because they have this stuff given to them, whether they want it or not. All right, very quickly, here is the big idea. Demanding your rights, demanding my rights is the wrong way to breathe life into your soul. If you have a holdout in your life, if you have a spot in your soul that is not committed to dying to self and committed to the Lord, then really anything is on the table. Because all it has to do is it has to find just that one little area where you say, that's not sold out to Christ, but that doesn't really get touched that much, so it's still okay. But there are people who have done some incredibly despicable things, thrown away great lives because they had one holdout where they said, no, 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 that's not God's, that is all mine. And so we keep it up and we hold on to it and we protect it as if it were our own. This is the area of self that will not die. The thing that we keep for ourselves and it is dangerous because it can always be exploited. Demanding your rights to have that thing that you feel most passionate about is the wrong way to breathe life into your soul. If you are struggling, if you are a person who's saying, you know what, my life just doesn't feel like it is meaningful or powerful or impacting in any way. If my life just feels like a repetition of the constant, can I tell you, maybe you need to be, be bringing life into your soul by letting self begin to die. But the more that self dies, the more room there is for the life-giving spirit of God. And if you will not let self die, then God's spirit cannot have full control. I want us to say aloud together the big idea one more time. I'm going to say it once, and then you guys, if you all don't mind joining with me, demanding your rights is the wrong way to breathe life into your soul. Will you guys say it with me? Demanding your rights is the wrong way to breathe life into your soul. So I encourage you, what does this look like? Let's talk about it very quickly. How can we go a different way? <laughs> Shocking. You guys might be surprised. Let's go to the next slide if you don't mind. Times person of the year. Times person of the year in 2006. Did you guys know this? This is not a joke. Times said that the person of the year is you. Whoever you are. Yes, you. You control the information age. Welcome to your world. Time's person of the year is you. What a sad commentary on our world that the most important person that lived that year were people who were crowding their way out and saying, this is mine and it is about me. <laughs> Tell me that this world is not a toxic place for your soul. Luke chapter 15 
Let's go to Luke chapter 15, verse 28 through 30. And you see, this is the older brother's problem. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you believe that this is true? Is he telling the truth? I believe he's telling the truth. He is telling the truth. But here is the problem. Let's go to this next slide. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The older brother may have had a point, but he lost sight of the fact that he also had a choice. You know what I'm saying? Here's what I'm saying. The older brother may have had a point, but he lost sight of the fact that he also had a choice. For most of us, we're so busy declaring and claiming our point that we forget that every time we put self in the center, we are losing something that we are chasing. That filled and fullness that we actually want and desire, it's fleeing away from us every time we put ourselves in the center. The older brother was right. But can I ask you a question? Who do you think's happy in that parable? Who's happy in that parable? Is it the older brother or is it the younger? Is it the father? Is it the guests? Is it the servants that are taking care of the party? The only person that's outside the party is the older brother. And he's stamping his foot and he's like, I've got a right to be mad. Congratulations, you have a right. But I'm sorry to tell you that you've made the wrong choice. You might believe every time something comes across your phone or your desktop that you have a right to be mad. Can I just tell you something? Tons and tons and tons of marriages die on this rock where people have rights and they stamp their foot and say, I have a right because you did and you one time said and the things that you've done in the past have looked like. And so marriages, friendships, relationships, and joy all die on the rock of your rights. Happens all the time. All the time. So you may have a right and you may be right. But you also have a choice of that being the most important thing to you. Or if you can join the party and say, you know what? I gave up a long time ago the idea of keeping score. Because the truth of the matter is, is that you keep keeping score. It is incredibly hard to enjoy life. Have any of you guys ever tried to keep score at a baseball game who strikes and balls and, you know, singles and pop flies? And was that an error or was it not? Talk about a way to get confused in the middle of a game. I mean, you miss all the fun of it. Oh, what happened? Well, they just got a hit. They hit a home run. I missed it, but I was charting my progress. <laughs> oh, man. You have a right. I have rights. But we also have a choice to choose joy instead and it changes everything. Now, don't miss this. You have a point, but you also have a choice. Very quickly, how do you and I fight self? Let's talk about this very quickly. You fight self by worship. That sounds weird. It sounds weird. It sounds like a preacher telling you something. But can I just take a moment and explain? Why does worship fall so important 
in where he says, you will have no other gods before me and remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy because we constantly need to be reminded that it is not our life and our world and that we are not the center of the world. And so weekly, God says, remember to worship me. Now, let me just say, I know that sometimes for many of us, the worship is music and lifting of Christ and all that. And for some, that is exactly why you love to come. And for some, it doesn't matter or bother you at all if you don't make it to that part. But let me just share with you, the important thing about worship is taking self off the throne. And it's not a list and it's not a preaching. It is an an inside honest understanding of the fact that I am not the one who deserves praise. In my life, I need to be reordered. I need to worship God. I mean, if you could just imagine singing the songs that we sing to God, but singing them about ourselves. (laughs) Wow. And yet for many of us, the reality is, is that we don't take the time to push self off of center and place God at the center. It's so important. Now, very quickly, let's talk about the way that we can apply this message. Let's jump down to where I apply this message, and this is how you can do it. Oh, you know what? Go back if you don't mind. I had that list up there. I didn't even talk about them. We talked about giving earlier. You're just going to hit these real quickly. That's part of why giving is so important, that it takes giving something to me and give to someone else Express true gratitude, no humble brags allowed. If you don't know what a humble brag is, do y'all know what a humble brag is? Anybody out there? A humble brag is where you say, never thought, you know, you, on social media you say, never thought I'd be able to afford one Bentley and I just bought my third, hashtag grateful, right? No, you're not grateful. You're talking about your third Bentley, right? Everybody knows it. So no, that's a humble brag. You're bragging and trying to make it sound humble, right? So no Express true gratitude. Don't put up why you're thankful or whatever. Just simply say, you know, I'm just reminded today that I am genuinely blessed in so many ways. Thankful for my family. Thankful for God's provision. Thankful for God's presence. And that's it. Nobody going, ooh, somebody got an A, right? Or somebody got a scholarship or any of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But constantly trying to make it about us is getting to the place where it's bad for us. And then actually listening, when you actually listen to someone else, you are giving them a gift, others greater than self. I heard somebody say one time that a conversation was other people rudely interrupting my train of thought and my declarations about myself, right? And so that's how we often think of conversation. No, no, it's a two-way street. And if you can't make time to give that to other people, you've missed the point. All right, very quickly, how can we apply this message? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about how to apply. And yes, I'm going there for real this time. Okay, thank y'all. You choose a practice or two that I'm going to talk about very quickly, maybe even more to put into your routine this week. Just allows you to take a deep breath. For most of us, we don't have margin in our lives. And I would suggest it might be good for us to give some margin from this area because it can be such a dangerous place. Let's go to this quick little list that we had last week uh, on that next slide that's up. Take a 20-minute walk. (laughs) Make a weekly call or text to one family or friend. You could even do that daily. 
Take a one-minute pause twice a day. And yes, there is an app that you can do. That should be in your uh, email inbox that you can go and get a link. But that's what it looks like. And you can go from a one-minute pause to a three-minute pause. I had people tell me, there's no way I could do that. Okay. So literally, you don't have a single minute to focus on God, right? I mean, really? Wow. You're that busy. Hmm. That busy. Interesting. Okay, or maybe just one single song where you stop and you actually just listen because music touches a place in your soul that other places just can't reach. Or what if you actually read a physical book or a magazine or something like that and you just allow that to be something that feeds your soul? It's an interesting thing. These are just simply suggestions, and there may be something that God is laying on your heart. That's why every time I put the I apply by, there is a blank down there because I want God to speak to you. Hopefully, he'll use the words that I've said, but ultimately, this isn't about me to you. This is about God speaking to you and him speaking in a place that I can't touch, I can't reach, but you know in your heart of hearts that probably there's too much of you and me and not nearly enough of him. One of my favorite verses of scripture is found in the book of John. It's interesting. John chapter 3, where all these people keep coming up to John the Baptist and saying, have you heard? Have you heard? Did you hear that people are starting to leave our ranks and they're starting to go to that man Jesus? <laughs> the comparison game that thrives on social media. And John turns to them and he says, this is good. This is a good thing. I am happy that this is happening. And in the very end of his words to his disciples, he says something. And he says, he must increase and I must decrease I'm not here to judge I am not I am not here to talk bad if social media is a part of your life but I am here to throw a lifeline and say look at it is it bringing you the life that you desire do you get off and feel lifted up or do you feel hollowed out the truth of the matter is, is that it's designed to pull you in and pull you back and, oh, it's a buzz. I wonder who said what. I just encourage you to grasp that sometimes the thing that you want is not the thing that you need. The thing that pulls you in is not the best for your soul. I have a way that you might remember it. And I'm going to end with this little story. Do any of you guys in here, or any of y'all online, do y'all remember the Pepsi challenge? Do y'all remember the Pepsi challenge? Oh my goodness. I'm here to ruin your day. The Pepsi challenge was something that they started 40 years ago. I know, I know. You're like me. You came in on the very tail end. I get it. I get it. The Pepsi challenge. They would literally have a box, as you can see. They had a box and two things of cola with a cup here and a cup here. 
one on each side, and they would ask the people, they would say, take a drink of each one and tell us which one you like the best. And guess what? Then after that, they would take the box off and they would see who voted for which one, which one tasted the best. And how many of you know who won the Pepsi challenge? Do you know who won the Pepsi challenge? Pepsi. That's why they call it the Pepsi challenge. If that was not happening, you would have never heard of it. They would have scrapped that thing. So you would think after the Pepsi challenge that you would know that the number one selling drink in colas is Pepsi, right? You would be wrong. As a matter of fact, Coke outsells Pepsi almost two to one, almost. And guess what? The third place finisher that's percentage points behind Pepsi is Diet Coke. Diet Coke is almost the second. Right now it's the third, but it's almost the second. Pepsi's getting outsold like crazy, even though they taste better. Do you know why? You could think to yourself, it's all about marketing. It is not. You know what they found? They found that there is something about Pepsi. It's a little sweeter than Coke. It has a little bit more of a hit of sugar that when you take that first drink, it hits your palate and you're like, ooh, that's good. That's really good. And then you drink Coke and it's not quite as good. But you know what they know? And they've gone a little deeper and they figured out that people buy Coke because usually about three quarters of the way through Pepsi, I, I, I don't fully understand this, but people say, ooh, it's just too sweet. I don't want any more of it. Coke doesn't have that initial instant pop like Pepsi does. So Pepsi won the challenge, Coke won the war. Why? Because what you crave and what is hitting that instant moment is different. Do you see where I'm going with this? Your brain and the people that are running the internet and all of these things, they got, they got a down pat. They know exactly how to pull you in. But the thing that your soul craves cannot be found on this thing and can't but we search it like crazy we seek this thing 96 times a day at least Americans check their cell phones at least 96 times a day looking for a new looking for a extra looking for a different looking for something else the truth is is that you need nothing more than you need your soul to be restored by our Lord he must increase. And even though the world is telling me different, I must decrease. Heavenly Father, be with us. May we know you in our heart. May we feel you in the depths of our soul, your renewing and life-giving power that comes to us that we so desperately need.